This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. I'm continuing my one-man mission to collect all of the craziest life experiences you people have ever had. If you're looking for an idea of a story that might fit the bill, look no further than 29-year-old Annika Craney. Now, Annika was working in Australia when she was bitten by a shark on her day off from filming a shark documentary on Shark Awareness Day. You're going to need a bigger boat. Also, apparently, Shark Awareness Day is a thing. I, I don't know about you, but I was already aware of sharks. A what? Now, not every tale is going to be that harrowing, but I think everyone has a story to tell, and darn it, I'm going to share them. If you think you can top this of any of the stories we've had so far, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're tickled by the story of Annika Craney, it's just one of the many stories you would have seen this week if you had gone to keithconradmedia.com and signed up for my email newsletter. Every single weekday, I send out a collection of stories just like the ones I would be handing to the host of a radio show or podcast you get my snarky commentary and some ironic gifts to go along with them, and naturally an obligatory plug for my novel Righteous Might, which is available right now. Again, go to keithconradmedia.com and sign up for my free email newsletter. Now, last week I talked to CBS radio producer David Shepard about a few of his adventures in the control room. Today I'm checking in with my good friend Ray Stevens, who has hosted radio shows all over the Chicago area and is one of the funniest and nicest people I've ever worked with in the radio biz, which, if you know the radio biz, there's not a whole lot of nice people there. You can follow Ray on Twitter at Ramblin underscore Ray. Thanks so much for joining me, Ray. You are very welcome, Mr. Conrad. Congratulations on your nuptials. I'm sure that you still wake up every day, look in a mirror and go, how in the world did I score that woman? She's unbelievably beautiful and and crazy talented and successful and and you're a lucky man that is actually what i do every morning it's uh it, i do that and then i brush my teeth that's basically my morning routine <laughs> as long as you can do that you know be thankful brush your teeth always remember to flush you'll be right. uh, you'll be in for a long and prosperous happy marriage I, I i think i can do that but uh but we'll see how it how it works out long term well, you know, and that's what you have to do because it's like, you know, I always get a kick out of people that say, you know, here, for instance, somebody says, oh, congratulations on your baby. No, congratulate me in 18 years when we see what he turns out like. <laughs> yeah, 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 because you, you just you just never know. But uh, so far, things have been uh, things have been great. And I'm uh, counting my lucky stars every day. Good. Good for you. I love to hear that. So we, we've had a, a number of different kinds of stories, but I think that uh, yours may have the uh, the most twists and turns of uh, any of the stories we've had so far. Well, my story saw, uh, starts like this. I was born to a construction. Uh, by me saying that, it, it means that I had a chance to to you know I could have I could have gone a lot of places in my career path, meaning I could have taken up. Uh, uh, drafting, mechanical engineering. I could have taken business, which is what I originally wanted to do. And then I could have taken over my father's construction company. But after years of summers of working for him and 
working with some of the guys and being the boss's kid, you know, I hate to say you get bullied and picked on, but I'm here to tell you, you get bullied and picked on. And yeah, I can see that. I did a lot of, I did a lot of physical work, uh, Keith. I did a lot of stuff that was just to give you a, a for instance, uh, uh, my dad's company put all the metal on uh, McCormick place in Chicago, the original McCormick place. And I had to walk around that building three times on my knees doing metal work, bending over the roof and onto the fascia of McCormick place. And, you know, you'd see the rich people flying in and out of, out of MIGs with their planes and, and, uh, um, um, you know, and I, the job was such a big job that we were there in the winter and we were there in the summer. So I was there on the coldest of the cold days and I was there on the hottest of the hot days. So I did that my junior year and senior year in high school. And then when it was time for college, it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, I decided I was just going to go to a local community college just to, you know, figure out where I was going to go because I was kind of a hellraiser and me and my friends loved to have a blast and we partied and we did all the things you're supposed to do as a kid. And I really didn't have the direction that I needed mm -hmm. to say, okay, mom and dad, send me out to a big university and let me spend and waste all your money, which I'll <laughs> get to because that's exactly what I did. Um, so I, I, uh, I went to, uh, to uh, the College of DuPage for a couple of years, and here's where my story starts. Uh, after I graduate the College of DuPage, I, I finally get up the gumption and the, uh, you know, I think every kid has anxiety as to what you're going to do in life and are you going to be successful and are you going to be able to provide for yourself and hopefully a family someday. Mm -hmm. So I talked my parents in letting me go to the University of Arizona uh, to, to get an education, and I was in love with the desert southwest because of my folks taking me there on vacation. And we had these friends that lived out in Scottsdale and mm -hmm. we would vacation out there and it was going to be fun and it was going to be great. And I was going to go to this school and, and, you know, meet people and, and, you know, become the next giant businessman. Um, so here's what happens. I go to school for a few, few months. I think I made it a semester there. I think that's what it was. Well, I'm, uh, I'm not it, sure. You, you made it longer than uh, why. Uh, you made it longer than Elon Musk because he made it one day and then quit. <laughs> I wish I wish I had the trajectory in my career that he seems to have. Um, <laughs> if you've noticed the, tel the, the Tesla stock in the last couple of days, he seems to be doing pretty well. It seems to, yeah. <laughs> you put a couple guys in a rocket that doesn't explode and get them to a space station, and you're you're going to see some increases in that stock price. Yeah, amazing how that uh, works. So Keith, I uh. So I'm out. So I'm out there in uh, in in Arizona enjoying the life, and in the, in the desert Southwest, it's just like an eagle song. You know, it's it's beautiful, and 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 Arizona is a lovely state, and it's not the place to send your kids because the women are absolutely stunning and beautiful. And I'm talking about from 18 to 80. They're pretty people out there. So I get out there, and I'm doing all the things that a college student does, which is debauchery and and girls, and probably drinking too much. And I had uh, had been able to take my jeep uh to uh to school and uh we were out in the desert one uh, one afternoon and uh what people don't understand about the desert if you're from uh the midwest or not familiar with the desert is when it rains um if you think a viaduct in chicago fills up fast you should see what happens to the desert it's absolutely amazing yeah and uh you know a kid like me that thinks his jeep can go anywhere um try to take his jeep across uh the verde river uh, in one of these these rainstorms, one of these monsoons, it didn't look that deep, but it was just moments after that that uh, uh, myself and uh, seven of our occupants in a 
uh, basically two-door Jeep. Uh, you know, these aren't the new fancy ones you see people driving around in the city and with the snorkels and all these big tires. It wasn't like that. Yeah. And uh, there goes my Jeep down the river with uh, most of us kids, you know, flaring around in the river and floating down the river with it. And uh, luckily, everybody was okay. That's just one of the many times in my life I could have killed myself and others. But thank you. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be here to now experience the coronavirus. It's been great. Um, <laughs> Jeep, Jeep gets fished out. Keith, I'm telling you right now, it's, it's, it's not in good shape. It's barely salvageable. So that's a call to the folks. That's a call to the insurance company. And that's mm-hmm. a call back saying, I told you you shouldn't have taken your Jeep to school. So, <laughs> you know, I'm wrong again. Family's right again. There seems to be a, a path where people always told me the right thing to do, and I would kind of pull back on that and do the other thing. But that's okay because that's all part of growing up. Mm-hmm. So life gets back to normal. Proud at school, and uh, I get a call from my friend Fritz, who's going to school at the University of Colorado up in Boulder, and he says, "Hey, uh, now we're on into November." He goes, uh, or he said, "The uh, the University of uh, Colorado's been good to me. I just got a job working at uh, at a ski resort." called Eldora and you should come up and go scan for the weekend. And this was early November. It was a pretty, pretty unique, uh, uh, early open for the resort. So I said, Hey, I love to ski. He was my best friend in high school. So we went and we skied and, uh, and we were going to just ski the weekend, but it turns out that, uh, we skied the day after Sunday and then the day after Monday and then the day after Tuesday. And finally my folks got a hold of me through his mom who was told to have that stupid ass call home immediately. Cause you have to understand, you know, it's not like today where you just, you know, you text somebody, you Skype somebody, you beep them on the phone, you, you know, you hit them and they hit you right back. They had to find us. They had to find us up in the, uh, up in the mountains along I 70 in Colorado. They had to so, find you and give you a telegram. <laughs> you know, it was more like a nasty gram. <laughs> 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 what are you doing? Why, why aren't you at school? Uh, we know you're not at school, and we can see that you've been staying at the Days Inn because you're racking up charges on our credit card bill. <laughs> so I, I call home, and I, uh, I get alerted to the news that the money I have in my wallet is exactly the amount of money that I'm going to use to get home. And the money I had in my wallet, I think, was somewhere between $20 and $32. Um, just enough to – see, because when you – when you work or your friends work at a ski resort in, in Colorado and you're kind of a ski bum, and I wasn't a ski bum in the professional sense at any, uh, at any matter. I was just out there having some fun, and there's a, certain, there's a certain fellowship among people that do that kind of thing that can get you on a hill, get you in a mountain, get you in a restaurant, and get you fed and get you skied and kind of show you around without having to spend a lot of money. However, there was money being racked up on the folks American Express bill, and they didn't like that. That's what cued them to get a hold of me because they didn't like the charges they saw coming from the motel that I was staying at. Yeah. So the message was get home and get home now. You're wasting our money. And now we're up against uh, um, somewhere in the Thanksgiving uh, uh, weekend, and, and, and I didn't show up. And that, that irked them even more because not only did I waste their money, did I waste my time at school, but I also didn't show up at Thanksgiving and grandma was pissed. Grandpa was dead. And it was, it was, the family wasn't happy with me. You know, and I have a twin sister, Keith. So my twin sister is like the golden child. She, she did everything right in school, national honor society. You know, she never got pulled over by the police. She never, and none of that. I mean, all the things that happened to me never happened to her. 
because, you know, when you have sibling rivalry, one kid goes one way, one goes the other. I didn't cause trouble. I just didn't follow a lot of rules. That's so, about where I was. Exactly. I mean, we all find our way. Um, and and so, so what happens then is it's credit card is off. Figure out a way to get home. I don't care if you if you fly home. I don't care if you take uh, the uh, the Amtrak home. But the the fact of the matter is, you found your way to where you are now. Find your way back to Chicago and do it soon. And uh, and uh, so so at that point, I was down to I think twenty six, twenty seven bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Fritz loaned me an extra twenty, which wasn't enough to get me home. So I ended up going and working on a sheep farm. <laughs> Here's a kid from. West Chicago, Illinois, working on a sheep farm as a know-it-all 19-year-old or 20-year-old, it might have been at the time. And uh, and I went and I worked on this farm to, to raise up a little money uh, to get home. And when, when you when you're a kid and you go up and you you go to any kind of ranch in any kind of uh, state like Colorado or Idaho or the Dakotas, you, you one you better be ready to work and you better be ready to get your ass kicked. And it was something because these guys. These guys, uh, you know, they hazed me. They did things to me that, that shouldn't be done to anybody, but I just took it because I needed the money. And I, <laughs> I consider myself a guy that can, can stand toe-to-toe with anybody. I'm not scared. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a crazy experience. By the end of the week, I, had, uh, I think I gained lifelong friends. I still stay in touch with the uh, owner of the uh, – he was the manager of the ranch at the time, and it was uh, located in, uh, in uh, Fair Play, Colorado. So mm-hmm. I made enough money to, uh, to jump on an Amtrak and uh, and find my way back to Chicago, where the reception I got was not a good one. And let me tell you something: those Amtrak rail rides, uh, it, it I think it took almost thirty six hours to get home. I think we stopped in every town along the way from from uh, Denver uh, back to Chicago. It it seemed like forever. And, and now uh, people do that I, for fun. Pardon me. Now people do that for fun. They they, <laughs> they ride across country on the train. You know. You know, right now, I think people will do anything for fun. Right now, I think working at a sheep farm without a mask on sounds like fun. <laughs> well, well, so so you were talking earlier about you know being uh, working at uh, McCormick Place and uh, working in the in the winter and the summer and and experiencing all that Chicago has to offer outdoors. Uh, that probably didn't seem so bad after the sheep farm. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you what it's it's always. It's always good to know that you can go home and live with your folks and your, your dad has his own company and he's going to put you on a crew. I, I didn't cut, get cut any slack, but, you know, when you're working sheet metal construction in Chicago, in the union, um, you know, it's, it's, it's work cut out for a man. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you have to look down the road and say, okay, do I want to be doing this when I'm in my 40s and 50s? It, it was tough doing it as a as a young man, just because of the sun and the beating you'd take and being out in the elements. And then you'd look over at that skyline. And, and I just knew like, like I'd look over at the associates building. I don't even know if it's called that anymore, but I knew that WCKG was in there. I knew that the loop and us 99 was over in the Hancock and I knew I loved radio and there must be an easier way to make a living. Mm-hmm. So uh, as, as I uh, get back and I, uh, I, you know, and I settled back into uh into life in, in Chicagoland, getting ready for the next step. Um, I'd already graduated the College of DuPage, so I had my associate's degree, and it was like, okay, what do I do now to bide my time until I can find whatever it is I want to do and where I want to go and how do I, how do I straighten all this out? Went back to College of DuPage just to do some, some other classes, just to keep, you know, keep involved and not, 
go off the rails. Uh, I was sporadically working for my father because it was winter, and in the construction business, winter slows down. And he has an obligation to his workers that are with him all the time to keep them working before his snot-nosed kid, who just is out here doing whatever really he, he feels like. But, you know, I, uh, I, I then get a chance to go to spring break in, uh, in Daytona Beach. I think it was 1986. I can't really remember the year, but this is after everything that's happened so far in this sort of four or five month span of, of you know, not doing the right thing. And, and it's not, again, I'm not getting in trouble. I'm just not making the decisions that are going to set me up for life. But yeah. it's funny how everything kind of makes its path and works out because now I get down to spring break. We're staying at a place called Penrods on the Beach in Daytona. And it's kind of wild because one side of the town, it's Daytona Bike Week. So you have all these bikers and badasses and, and, and lunatics on one side of town. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, I love bikers, but I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that crowd yet. I was here to hang out with college kids and do things that college kids do on spring breaks, which is spring break, which means, all right, we're going to drink some beer. And after that, we're going to drink some more beer. And we're going to find women and girls and we're going to have fun. And, and we did all those things. And uh, it was interesting because you don't remember much of it because all you're doing is you're sleeping most of the day. You're on the beach a little bit and then you're up all night long. Mm -hmm. So, and I'd only gone to one spring break. That's all I needed. I didn't need to go back, man. That place was crazy. But while I'm down there, I'm at Penrod's Plaza and I'm not even sure if Penrod's Hotel is still there anymore or if it's you know it's probably gone on a hurricane or something for all i know but um we're in daytona and i'm with my friend again for my, my friend fritz and, and some other guys you know me and this guy we, we we're like brothers i mean we we still stay in touch to this day and we we've lived a colorful life and uh i happen to be behind two guys that are talking about this party we're supposed to be at it's a free beer party supposed to start at two o'clock there's going to be belly flop contests, you know, the whole nine yards, the wet t-shirt contest, beer drinking contest, just all the things you don't want your kids to do, but they're going to do anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hear I hear this guy talking to this other guy who I would imagine was maybe the bar manager or the hotel manager, and, and uh, he uses some colorful language to describe their situation. And basically, he said that they were they were effed, and uh, because their uh, their MC for their party didn't show up, their DJ didn't show up. And, uh, and I was standing there, and I, I saw an opportunity. And uh, I, I said to the guy, I go, hey, when's the free beer start? It's, it's 10 after 2. It's supposed to start at 2. Yeah, we have a little problem with scheduling. It'll start. Don't worry. Uh, I go, well, what seems to be the problem? And again, again, this guy looks at me. He's like, he sees a punk college kid. He goes, don't worry about it. You'll get your free beer. I said, I said, look, I go, I was listening to you two in your conversation. I said, it would seem to me that you need somebody to run your party. I said, let me be the problem or the, the, the solution to your problem, which later was also me being a problem to a solution. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Keith, they hired me. You know, here, I'll just set it up. So the first day, I grabbed the microphone. The guy that works for, I, I, I want to say it was Budweiser, was running the equipment. All I had to do was turn the mic switch on and off, get people involved in a party. I had to MC a wet T-shirt contest. Poor me. I had to empty a, a, a belly flop contest, and I had to do a couple of uh, uh, beer drinking contests and MC that. They paid me fifty dollars that day to MC the show, and my friends were privy to free beer now for the rest of the week. They hired me 
for the next three weeks to do their party at $50 a day as a college kid. Wow. How do you beat that? You could pretty much buy the entire state of Florida for that. You could still buy the entire state of Florida for that, but who would want it? <laughs> so, so Keith, again, now now I, I'm proactive here, so I'm going to call home and talk to talk to Pat, talk to my mom. I said, Mom, I'm down in Florida. I've got a job. I'm not, you know, I'm not scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'm making some money. I'm going to work here as long as I can, and then I'll be home. And, you know, if I'd already uh, graduated the college due pace. The class, classes I were taking had just ended, so I got the college credit going forward to the next school I was going to go to, which ended up to be Columbia College. I made enough money down at Daytona Beach to fly home, uh, rally with my folks, and then I, I talked to my mom, and it was really her that said, hey, you know what, you really – she goes, you're always the life of the party. You seem to have this 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 uh, personality that people kind of gravitate to. Why don't you try to go find yourself a, a job in radio, which I never really thought of it. I thought it would be cool. I just didn't know how you did it. We, did, we didn't have a radio station in my high school. We didn't have a radio station at West Chicago. So, you know, a lot of kids, if there's a radio station at school – or a local radio station in their town, they'll go there and hang out and learn the ropes. I, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So after that, I, I went to Columbia College because it had a good radio program. And I was at Columbia College for a week. And you hear these these uh, teachers that are in the business saying, young man, man. You know, I, I especially remember Al Parker. Do you know who Al Parker is, Keith? I don't. Al Parker was the longtime voice at ABC7 in Chicago. So... If you were watching the Saturday night movie, mm-hmm. now back to Dirty Harry starring Clint Eastwood on WLS, you know, WLS ABC seven. It was, that was Al Parker. And okay. Al was the head of the radio department at Columbia college. And the, the cool thing about Columbia college is that the, the teachers and instructors for the most part are people who've had success in our industry. And uh, there, there's two guys that made a, a, an immediate impact in my life. One guy, was Al Parker, and the other guy was, was Jack Miller, who uh, used to do some work at uh, Oldies 104.3, which was JMK back in the day. And uh, and now I think he's doing production for the, the Cumulus Tampa cluster uh, down in Florida. I'm not certain, but those two guys took a liking to me and said, you know what, you, you can do this, you have talent, but you've got to get an internship. You've got to go out there and you've got to feel it. And, of course, they wanted me to do an internship because I came in the school as a junior and an internship – cost money so Mm -hmm. you know they're gonna get they're gonna get money for you doing an internship at somebody's radio station and really they don't have anything to do with it other than collecting a fee which i didn't quite understand and i went and i i I went and i drove my car which was a 1986 mustang gt convertible it was a beautiful car that was some of the uh that was some of the money made from working for my dad all those years and I drove it out to a station in Aurora called WAUR, which was 107.9 on Eola Road um, in Aurora. There was an AM station, AM 1280 WMRO, serving Aurora, Geneva, and the Tri-Cities. And there was an FM station. And this is where I met a guy who's a friend of yours. And I pull into the radio station. I set up an interview because I wanted to – I wanted to – do an internship at this radio station. It was in the suburbs. It wasn't far from my home. I could still work for my dad, still get out here and work for these guys. And I know, I know sooner get into the parking lot of this, of this radio station, which is off of Yola, which back in the day, there's nothing out there. 
and you drive down this long road and there's this cool little radio station sitting out there underneath this uh, big radio tower. I want to say the tower was 780 feet tall. Um, it was just, it, to me, it was, it was just almost overbearing how cool and unique and, and big this was to a kid that wanted to get in the radio. Mm-hmm. So, so I pull in the lot and this guy comes walking out and then he's got this kind of a, 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 it's, it's a unique voice. And he's like, is that your car? And I go, yeah, it's my car. I need that car for a parade. I said, well, okay. Uh, my name's Ray. I'm here to see uh, a guy named Bruce Summers about an internship. And uh, he goes, well, I'm Bruce. And, uh, and I know you. You know Bruce Summers. Um, and Bruce was the program director of this radio station at the time. And, and we kind of struck up one of those deals in Chicago. This is, like, this is where my construction uh, prowess and, and, and where all these guys kind of, you know, needling and picking on you and, 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 and don't get me wrong. I, I, I picked right back. I don't get pushed around too much, but I had fun. And these guys taught me to be tough and to ask for what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I know you want to use my car for a parade, but I also want to be on the radio. What kind of deal can we work out? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and then Bruce goes, well, I tell you what, I can't, I can't push you on the radio, but you can come in and do an internship with me and I'll kind of show you around. You can help me, you know, help me on the morning show. And, uh, and this guy uh, uh, turned out to be uh, just one of the, one of the nicer, uh, you know, just, just a good human being. He's the first really solid human being that I met in the radio business because uh, solid human beings in the radio business are kind of far and few between. It's kind of and, like finding uh, a unicorn. It's, it's, it's pretty rare. <laughs> but I know you can speak to, to, to Bruce. He's a good guy and, and you can, you, you know, you can, you can vouch for me and, you know, he was still finding his way, too. He was just a young guy mm-hmm. out there at the radio station, and he told me, he said, you know, come out here, do this, this, and this. And I found ways to, to you know, work on the AM and work on the FM. But uh, the, the way I got my first break and how this all turns into to radio as far as this long, wild, crazy, and strange trip was, uh, you know, it, it happens like this for people. you got to put yourself in the situation. But he called me one Saturday evening, and he's like, hey, I need you to come in and do a Saturday, you know, an overnight shift from, from midnight to six tonight, if you can do it. And I'm glad he called me at about eight o'clock because if you would have called me at eight in the morning, I would have had so much anxiety that day. I wouldn't have been able to sleep. I wouldn't have been able to focus. Mm-hmm. I'd have been a wreck. And I don't even know if I'd have been able to do the job, but, uh, <clears throat> but I went in there and I did the overnight. Um, and, and, uh, and I guess I did it, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good because they hired me three weeks later to be the overnight guy which, uh, you know, overnights back then, you know, you did, you did a six hour shift and you talked all the time. There wasn't any of this voice tracking. There wasn't anybody telling you to just, you know, shut up and play the music. It was about being local and fun and relating to people. And you think you're setting the world on fire, but you're really not that good. Um, and in, while I'm doing that, I'm also getting the studios ready for the morning guy on the, uh, on the FM. I'm doing, uh, the agribizer over on the AM. I don't know a damn thing about farming. I'm just finding stories on the AP line and, and I'm, I'm the agribizer and they've got to get it done in two minutes because it's a sponsored bit. And all of a sudden I'm learning this skill that's really uh, paid for everything that I have. It's gotten kids through college and it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's paid for my ex-wife. God bless her. I love her, you know, as, as much as I did when I was married to her and we'll be friends for life. But, you know, that, that story, um, 
you know, and I, I know this is a podcast. It doesn't necessarily have to reflect on what we do for a living, but, but it just goes to show you that, you know, the life you lead and the experiences you have um, will maybe lead you to what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's days when I think, well, maybe it would have been easier and a little bit more, uh, more un, uh, a little bit more settled if I would have taken over my family business. And who knows what my life would have looked like, you know, had I, because you have to go through, uh, you know, times like 2008 where the market drops out, times like now where, uh, you know, you're uncertain. If you have a small business, it's just uncertainty. But um, it's no secret that, uh, that I'm, you know, I'm not on the radio right now. I've been filling in at WLS for the last couple of days. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's been a really cool ride. And I'm just waiting for the for the next opportunity. And if the next opportunity doesn't happen, I'm okay with that because I, I just had, buddy, I have stories that, that have lasted a lifetime and met uh, met a lot of good people. You know, that's the reason why I'm I'm talking to you. But I'm I'm also, you know, I'm also picky about uh, the things I do. I won't just go work anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even when I work at WLS, I call my agent and ask him if it's the if it's the best thing we can possibly do for the brand. But uh, but long story short, it's 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 it was cool to to be able to go through all of that, be the hellraiser, be the kid that, that, you know, that didn't get the great grades in school when his sister did. And then all of a sudden you look back and my sister goes, well, what happened? I was the smart one. I was supposed to be the successful one. And, 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 we, and, and it's just been a fun ride the whole time. You know, you can't beat it. Yeah. So, so, so maybe a, maybe a big, uh, a big life lesson for, from all that is uh, if you're a parent even if your uh, even if your kid is out uh, working on a sheep farm so that uh, he can actually get enough money to come home, maybe maybe eventually he's going to turn out just fine. That was that was a lesson for me. That was you know that was as, as strict as my parents got. They were pretty good to me, and uh, I think I think that was that, that was them telling me, "Listen, man, uh, enough, and and it's time for you to, uh, to to straighten up and recognize." And I did that because you know I mean I always. You know, I never wanted to break my parents' heart, and, and I don't think any kid does. And, and you know, looking at, at my kids now, um, my oldest daughter's 24 years old, and she was going to be a singer in Nashville. She can sing. She can act. She's absolutely stunning. She's a beautiful girl. But she didn't have the cojones to do the music business. She has everything to be a star. She can sing. She can write. I mean, she's got a voice that's like an angel. But, you know... Unfortunately, especially now, it seems, especially for, for young ladies, there's just, I don't know if it's social media or Instagram or what it is that makes it so tough for them uh, socially to, to, to compete with, you know, with what's out there. I don't know if we've, I don't know if we've generated a, a society of, of kids that, that are lacking um, mental fortitude. I don't want to say that because I, I, I think a lot of people bust on millennials. Mm-hmm. I think that they're doing okay and and she could have been a she could have been a star and she didn't want to do it so she came home and she told me one day she's like dad i'm going down to uh to uh houston i want to you know train at the united airlines flight academy and uh, and i'm gonna be a flight attendant which i thought was crazy because she was afraid to fly <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself i'm thinking to myself well you don't like to fly and she's like well i'm gonna get over it and i thought well that was a step in the direction of, uh, of of a kid figuring out what she wants to do in life. Not everybody's going to be a star, although she could be. And it, it all I wanted to do Keith was drive her tour bus. That's it. I didn't want to be the manager. <laughs> I, I, I could have sold T-shirts. 
And, and, you know, she'll always be able to sing. Um, you know, there's a short window of opportunity for young artists in this world to be able to make it. And those mm-hmm. windows close quickly. But, you know, she, you know, what, what I wanted to do, uh, you know, I never forced her to go to, she went to school at Belmont. It was an expensive education. She worked on music row. She played a lot of gigs. She opened a lot of shows, um, sang the national anthem at bears games, Sox games, Cubs games, did a lot of cool things. And again, you know, how is that unlike what I did as a kid, you know, trying to find my way. Yeah. And, you know, if she's doing what she likes, God bless her. And, and, and as a parent, and when you have kids, you will realize that it's not about what we want for them. All we want for them is for them to be happy and to do what, what fulfills them. And she loves what she's doing and, and she's making money. Now she was furloughed for a while, but, uh, but you know, a lesson for parents is that kids will find their way. My son, is in the University of Wisconsin school system. And uh, and again, you know, here was a kid. He was a stud football player. He went up there with a little bit of football money, uh, you know, and found out quick that, uh, that these guys at the college level hit hard. They hit quick. They're fast. And your body can only take so much of it. And after sophomore year, he was like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to the NFL. Uh, I'm, you know, why play anymore? And, you know, again, wasn't playing football for me. He did it because he likes the contact. He likes the camaraderie. And, uh, and right now he basically runs around the woods of Wisconsin with his bone arrow or deer hunting and whatever he does, he fishes all the time, but he's still going to school. He gets good grades. And again, everybody will find their way. So yeah, I, I'm not, the life I led leading up to this point does not allow me to be judgmental to anybody or any kid. So, you know, big life lesson, your, your kid will eventually find their way. And, and as long as you wake up in the morning, Thank God that you have a wife like like Misty and brush your teeth. <laughs> You're going to be all right. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, Ray. <laughs> I hope it's good enough to make your uh, your greatest story ever told podcast because I'm a fan. It, it will. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome, pal. If you think you can top herding sheep to raise money for a ride home halfway across the country, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. It helps new people find the show and keeps the entertaining and insightful stories headed your way every week. Gabatron.